right, it is 5.30, so we will call this meeting to order. Um, the first item on our agenda this evening is the Pledge of Allegiance. If everyone would please rise. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. The next item on our agenda is the adoption of the agenda. Item 1.3, I'll seek a motion. So move, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? Second, Sinclair. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, it passes unanimously. 1.4, approval of the minutes for the special meeting on September 29th. I'll seek a motion. Move approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Second, second, Hembry. Thank you, Ms. Hembry. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Um, passes unanimously. 1.5, approval of minutes, the regular meeting on September 29th. I'll seek a motion. So move, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Second, Sinclair. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Item passes unanimously. And 1.6, approval of minutes from the workshop meeting on October 12th. Please seek a motion. Move approval, Sinclair. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Second, Hembry. Thank you, Ms. Hembry. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And that also passes unanimously. So that moves us on to public comments for this evening. Um, public comments are held between 5.30 and 6 p.m. and all of our regularly scheduled meetings. Um, instructions for electronic submission of patrons notice to speak at public comment can be found on the Board of Education webpage. And if you have any questions, you can contact the clerk of the board, Ms. Wintering, and she can guide you through the process. Um, a few reminders that help speakers to have a positive experience when making your remarks. Um, please proceed to the podium when your name is called and provide your city of residence and what schools you are affiliated with if applicable. Um, please limit your remarks to three minutes or less as indicated by the president. In consideration of everyone's time, please select a group spokesperson to represent your interests or you can choose to pass when your name is called if a previous speaker has already expressed your concerns. Written comments and our materials will be accepted and should be given to the clerk and ensure that there are eight copies for all of the board members and for Dr. Fulton. Um, please make your comments while remaining behind the podium and complaints regarding students or staff should first be addressed to the administration in accordance with board policy KN um, so the board can consider whether such complaints should be held in executive session in order to protect the privacy interests of students or staff involved. Um, generally, responses from board members during public comment will be limited to clarifying questions. Um, if comments pertain to an item on the meeting's agenda, the superintendent or his designee may address those comments at any time when the item is up for board discussion. And it looks like we have one speaker this evening, Ms. Jill Jellicure. Good welcome. evening. Oh, is it on? Yes, welcome. Okay, cool. All right. Um, good evening. Thank you for letting me come and have public comment this evening. Uh, my name is Jill Jolliker. I am a resident of Leewood. I have two kids at Corinth Elementary. I have a first grader and I have a fifth grader. Um, I also, um, even though I'm not representing the group, I am a member of the Shawnee Mission East PTA uh, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Um, and um, uh, and I'm, but I'm not representing that group. I'm here just as my role as a, a community member and a person that's interested in um, um, issues of racial equity, um, diversity, and inclusion in the Shawnee Mission School District. Um, my comment tonight was more just seeking an update and communicated to the community. And I understand that this is a timely discussion because it sounds like it may come up this evening. Um, seeking an update on the formation of a diversity, inclusion, and equity 
community um, advisory board. Um, I understand that that was um, a directive, a goal that was um, issued by the superintendent and perhaps echoed by this, um, this board earlier this summer. Um, and I have increasingly grown frustrated that we haven't seen any more any movement on the formation of that. I want to recognize that that I'm so grateful as a parent, um, a full-time working parent, two-parent household, um, that uh, for all the work that you all have done to um, make sure that our schools open safely, um, and I think that's a Herculean effort. And I'm grateful to all of you. And I'm um, I appreciate as a local government employee. Um, I understand that you're, it's so hard to make the right decision. And so I appreciate everything that you've done and all the um, criticism that you will continue to take. Um, but that being said, um, my disappointment lies in, I, I wish that this advisory board had been in place before, before school started. Because I believe really strongly that if you had this advisory board in place and you had even just a little bit of information available and some, some guiding um, principles or visions from the community around what does an equitable school opening look like in this community, um, my comfort would have been a little stronger. Um, the work that I've been engaged in in the local government that I work in and um, uh, Douglas County, Kansas, working with three school districts, uh, four school districts, excuse me, um, we looked at things through an equity lens. How are, we do, how are we providing CARES Act dollars equitably? How are we supporting our school districts equ equitably? We looked at everything through an equ a racial equity lens because we know that when you look at things in a racial equity lens, all groups are served. So um, I just hope that this, this board will and the superintendent will continue to move for that forward with an equitable and timely way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Superintendent Fulton, would you like to comment with regards to that? Um, yeah, I can give a very quick update. One of the things that we are working on uh, right now, actually, is getting an advisory committee put together. That was something that was announced this summer. But obviously, with everything that we've had, we're getting school back up and running. That's uh, had to take priority. So we're at a point, at a good point now, where we can start to work on that. Um, I think with the goal of getting something up and running in, in uh, November would be the goal, probably toward the end of November. But we're going to get it, uh, get a group identified and get something started. And that'll be part of the conversation at our next board meeting as well when we do an update on diversity and inclusion issues. Too. It will. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, we set aside the time from 5.30 to 6 for public comment. As, there, as far as I'm aware, no additional public comment for this evening. Um, we will take a short recess until 6 p.m., and then we will be back to conduct the rest of the business of the board. Thank you. Okay, it's 6 o'clock, so we will turn to item 2.2 on the agenda, which is the superintendent report from Dr. Fulton. All right, very good. Well, thank you. Uh, so great to see everybody uh, this evening. Well, today marked the first day of hybrid learning for middle high school students in our district. And uh, it also marked the first day of having all of our elementary students in. So it was a big day for the school district, and we're very excited for all the students and teachers. With respect to the, to the middle school and high school students, uh, we started off with students in Group A attending in person today. Students in Group B will attend later this week. And uh, we're just so glad to see all of our, uh, our in-person students and, of course, our remote learners 
who will continue to stay in a remote learning mode and connect with their teachers uh, each day that we have school. As I visited schools, it's been really wonderful to see the creative ways that students and staff are continuing to learn and get to know one another. And, no, and that's true no matter the setting. You know, I walk into a, a remote-only uh, learning classroom, I see a very animated teacher in front of a screen, and I know on that screen are, are all the learners that that teacher is working with. And uh, that's also true when you go into the classrooms, of course, when the students are in person. Here's just a few examples of the ways that students are learning. Ashley Brown's remote learning kindergarten students held a pumpkin-themed day where they drew pumpkins and wrote stories and conducted experiments to learn whether pumpkins float or sink, which is actually kind of a fun experiment to do. And um, Cassandra Ritzel, uh, her remote learning classroom has been working on sentence structure and journal writing and used at-home materials to engineer apple trappers to pick apples. So I'm fascinated to see what kind of designs they came up with. But anyway, we're hearing about an increasing number of virtual field trips and guest speakers using technology to, uh, to visit uh, classrooms virtually. Today, we know that there's a lot of high school students and middle school students who receive tours of their school and learn new protocols to follow while on site. So we want to thank everyone for their work to connect and uh, dedicate their time to building relationships every day and for the support that our, to support our ongoing mission to provide robust learning opportunities for every child in our district. So thank you very much to the staff, patients of the parents, and of course to our wonderful students. As you may know, Leanne Risco a Shawnee Mission South Spanish teacher is the 2020 Kansas World Language Association Teacher of the Year. The KSWLA Executive Council noted that they are proud of Risco's hard work and dedication to her students and that uh, she works really hard to build uh, lifelong lovers and learners of world languages. So congratulations to her and to Shawnee Mission South. What a great honor. The Shawnee Mission Parents as Teacher Program has earned a Blue Ribbon Affiliate designation from the National Parents as Teachers Organization. It came as a result of a year-long process to demonstrate the organization meets quality standards. Your designation is the result of dedicated teamwork, strategic planning, and passionate service by the Shawnee Mission Organization, one of the national staff members wrote. Families from birth to age three who live in Shawnee Mission are able to enroll in this national program that connects families with trained educators. Enrollment is now open. They continue to hold socially distanced group activities and provide virtual home visits to support families. And we're gonna include a link in the board recap for those who are interested in finding out more about this wonderful program. We do have uh, two Shawnee Mission educators who were selected to represent our district as Horizon Award nominees. The Horizon Award is a statewide recognition that honors exemplary first-year teachers who perform in a way that distinguishes them as outstanding. Abby Cater, a fourth grade teacher at Apache IS, is a district's nominee at the elementary level, and Susan Speck, a health and physical education teacher at Shawnee Mission Northwest, is the district's Kansas Horizon Award nominee at the secondary level. Congratulations to both of these staff members. 
Well, tomorrow morning, we will be launching a COVID-19 uh, data dashboard available to the public via our district website. We talked about this uh, a board meeting or two ago. Uh, the purpose of the reporting tool is to share public uh, data publicly and help inform our community of the extent of positive cases resulting in isolation and quarantine impacting the Shawnee Mission School District. We appreciate the support and guidance from our public health partners in the Johnson County Department of Health and Environment. The data reported on the website will follow the guidance from the county regarding data privacy. In the event of instances where our weekly reports share fewer than six cases uh, in a data set, then the data will not be reported in order to protect individual confidentiality. In these cases, again, fewer than six, uh, in these cases, a logo will appear denoting a number that is too small to report. And that's something I brought up previously, and that's really important because we do send letters out to people who are impacted. Actually, the, the, we work with the county health department on that, and you absolutely want to maintain personal privacy when you do this kind of reporting. The data dashboard will provide a high-level picture of active cases in our district learning community. Data will be reported ba uh, based on a weekly snapshot of active positive cases in isolation, as well as exposures in quarantine. The data are broken out by student and staff numbers and also share the identified location of exposures based on community, school, extracurricular, or unknown location. I will make a note. You will see quite a few unknown locations and that's kind of goes back to the importance of contact tracing, actually. So you don't, people don't always quite know where they contracted it. We are hopeful that the data picture over time will engage our community in helping to follow mitigating measures so that our schools may continue to serve students and hybrid until community members fall to a level where we can all return to school in person. As you know, we have many creative and talented students and staff in our district. We have some exciting news to share that recognizes student artists and art teachers from across the entire district. So I'm gonna invite Abby Howe, our visual arts coordinator, to share a few words, because she can say this much better than I can. Thank you, Abby. Thank you for having me here tonight. Um, I'm very excited to announce um, a quarterly virtual visual art show um, that consists of all available media that has been digitally photographed um, from students from all grades across all feeder patterns here in the Shawnee Mission School District. Um, I think this, this show provides a wonderful opportunity to recognize the effort and achievement of our students, the effort and achievement of our teachers. Um, it also provides an opportunity for an authentic audience. So as far as audience goes, um, we've collaborated with the communications department who will be hosting this show, which is a video loop um, on the district website. Uh, it will also be shared through the social media outlets and on a loop here in the Center for the Academic Achievement. Um, I think overall the show exemplifies uh, the incredible creativity of our teachers 
um, through this process of creating lesson plans uh, to, to get students to produce this amazing work. Um, it, it exemplifies the creativity of our students um, and really just want to say thank you to the district for allowing this opportunity to, to, to come up on, on the um, video screens uh, for communications, particularly Kristen Babcock for cre helping create these, the loop. Um, the parents who've helped facilitate some of these projects at home, uh, the teachers who've created amazing lessons, and the students for their, their hard work and effort. Okay, great. Thank you so much for that uh, wonderful overview and for helping to get this, uh, the arts uh, profiled in a, in a way that's really powerful for kids. Um, we have, uh, talking about students and neat things that are happening. Well, we have some incredible news to share on behalf of the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation. This month, they delivered scholarship offers to seniors from each of the five high schools and Horizons High School, kicking off their annual scholarship Shawnee Mission program. As you may remember, this program allows parents to opt in to share student data with participating colleges and universities so that students can receive scholarship offers before they have even applied to those colleges. As Kim Hinkle, executive director of the foundation notes, much like athletes are recruited by colleges, Scholarship Shawnee Mission makes sure our students who excel academically are actively recruited by colleges. Seniors received letters outlining scholarship offers and multiple seniors received surprise visits at their home this year. Many students have expressed that this program has opened doors that they did not know was, uh, were possible. So this is a truly phenomenal uh, event. The Scholarship Shawnee Mission uh, has identified $1.77 billion to Shawnee Mission seniors this year. We congratulate those students and we thank participating colleges and especially the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation for the opportunities that they provide for our students. And I, again, thanks to uh, Kim Hinkle and the foundation for all the great work that they do for our students. We also want to make sure that you know that you are invited to be an audience member for the world premiere of the blockbuster movie coming to a screen near you. Shawnee Mission Strong, the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation annual fall breakfast will open at 7.30 a.m. on November 3rd. This is a virtual celebration of the annual fundraising event, and it'll, it'll be a, a wonderful thing to participate in. Now, we want to be clear that even though it debuts on Election Day, uh, a link to watch this film will be uh, first available at 7.30 a.m. Viewers can also watch the movie on demand at any point after that. So you, don't, you can watch it at 7.30 a.m. on Election Day, or you can wait and watch it later. This movie will feature stories about students, staff, and community members who contribute their strengths to the success of our district. And I'll share an update on the vision for the district during the movie. Uh, tonight, I'm pleased to share the exclusive release of the trailer for this film. So there you go. An issue of sound. All right, there you go.
But there you go. You were there when <laughs> the trailer was released. So, uh, you know, this as a reminder, the fall breakfast is a benefit and proceed and proceeds support multiple programs for students and staff across the district, including scholarship Shawnee Mission, leadership Shawnee Mission, excellence in education teacher grants, and the Shawnee Mission Cares Fund. We invite everyone to make a reservation. You can find reservation information on the uh, Shawnee Mission Education Foundation, smef.org, and we will provide a link in the recap to that. Congratulations to the foundation for all the great work, and we're really looking forward to the movie. Um, moving on to item 2.3, board member reports. Uh, we'll start with Ms. Borgman. Do you have an update for us from SMAC PTA? Yeah, so um, SMAC is going to be meeting next week virtually, and uh, we appreciate SMAC's um, partnership with discussing bond and just getting out information to the community. So thank you very much to SMAC. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Hembry, I know we, we just heard a lot about the foundation, but do you have an update for us regarding the breakfast perhaps? I or? was just going to reiterate breakfast is coming up November 3rd, 7.30 a.m. That's a week from tomorrow. It's also known as election day, so probably on your calendars. Um, it'll be virtual. Um, Kim Hinkle shared with me that she felt being virtual was actually going to give them more ways and opportunities to showcase our students. So I think it'll be a really good one to participate in. Again, it's smef.org. And I also wanted to note the last couple of weeks, the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation has been doing their scholarship Shawnee Mission um, mailings and visits. And I think we'll be getting a more full update in the next month or so. But in the meantime, I just wanted to thank the team for all of their incredible work around Scholarship Shawnee Mission and also a huge congratulations to our students. Thank you. Um, Reverend Guy, do you have an update for us from the Board of Directors at KASB? Uh, yes. They, we had the regional roundtable um, two weeks ago. Dr. Sinclair and I participated in that as just an opportunity to talk to other board members, um, specifically in our region, in our area and learn more about what's going on at KASB. The, the big event is their annual conference, which will be December 2nd through the 4th, and registration is open for that, and so if, it will be virtual. But if you would like to attend, please let Terry Wintering know, and she can get you registered for that. They're trying to do some fun events, like a virtual happy hour, and they say they have a free glass for the first 150 people that register. I don't know what that is about, but um, they're trying to still have that community element um, where we can talk to other board members from around the state and learn about what's going on. Um, so... It should be a good time and hopefully not take up you know, too much of our time since we won't be traveling anywhere. Uh, you can hop on and participate in different workshops and hear from some great nationally known speakers. And um, yeah, so it's just a wonderful time to learn and to make connections with others. So get that on your calendar and let Mrs. Wintering know if that's something you want to attend. That's all I have. Thank you, Reverend Guy. Um, Dr. Sinclair, do you have a legislative liaison update for us? Um, the KASB Legislative Committee will meet again November 6th, Friday, November 6th, and um, the draft of the legislative priorities for the state can be found at the KASB.org website under advocacy. Um, 
the we've gotten some feedback from the roundtable. Some of that was rolled forward to us, and I had an opportunity to connect with Dr. Fulton and get some feedback from Dr. Atha and Dr. Little and Mr. Smith. Um, so we're moving forward. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Goodburn, do you have a policy review committee update for us tonight since we have a couple of policies we're looking at? I do. I just, just that we have two policies for first read tonight on 5.02, 5.03. Um, later in the meeting, um, we do have a meeting then um, a week from Thursday, I believe, yeah, next week. So that'll be our November meeting schedule. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Stratton, I know you're on the phone. Do you have an update for us from finance facilities or Dr. Sinclair, are you handling that for us this evening? Yeah, I'll do okay. that. Um, the finance and facilities committee met um, last Thursday, October 22nd. This was our fifth time meeting since mid-October. The meetings are live streamed and links to each of them can be found on the district website under the Board of Education along with the agendas. Um, Primary agenda for this past meeting was the bond issue. Dr. Fulton uh, walked through the same presentation that was delivered to the board during our October 12th workshop meeting. So committee members were given an opportunity to ask clarifying questions and there were a number of questions asked, um, you know, ranging from uh, very specific questions about the different options, how the land under Catherine Carpenter might be used following the teardown, um, through um, questions about whether there have been any changes made due to COVID. Um, there were uh, some questions and comments about the current bond market and the potential impact or relation to the different options. Um, uh, uh, time was spent again asked um, based on questions asking about the relationship between custodial salaries being addressed in relation to the bond issue along with secondary teacher workload. Um, some questions about unintended consequences, some ten, you know, if there were any, what were they, do we need to consider them, and just kind of some questions about the guardrails that have been identified for this plan. Um, after the Q&A period, there was, um, uh, the board was, the committee members, not board, the committee members were asked to weigh in on kind of three different questions, the timeline for the ballot. Um, and while there was kind of a brief discussion about voter fatigue, there was no recommendation to delay any further than January for the ballot. So that was kind of consensus around staying on the January timeline. Um, there was also input on options A, B, and C. Again, there was some more discussion in follow-up to the Q&A. The committee's consensus was for option C. Um, and then there was some discussion about messaging and some suggestions around um, messaging. Uh, one of the big ones was, I think one of the consistent comments about messaging um, was uh, um, how this bond, um, how, you know, basically how it's going to provide some new schools and it's going to allow us the opportunity to bring on more secondary teachers and address that secondary workload. And the meeting was wrapped up with um, some brief kind of co uh, overview of the budget, 30,000 foot view. Um, so, but you can get all the details if you want to watch the meeting. It can be, it's the live stream link. Again, it's on the district website. Thank you.
Okay, I think that's all of the board reports that we are hearing from board members, and that puts us into the board financial report from Mr. Knapp. Yes, uh, uh, Russell Knapp, our uh, chief financial officer, is going to provide us with uh, the monthly financial report. Well, good evening. Um, as always, we have the financial reports attached to board docs for your review. They are as of September 30th, so our first quarter is complete. I wanted to uh, highlight two items. Um, you know we've been watching the food service fund as um, uh, there is no charge for meals, so we lose that revenue source from students and a la carte. Through the uh, first quarter, September 30th, we we broken even. We brought in about $550,000 in revenue and expensed that. Uh, so, so far, so good. However, we would anticipate labor expenses increasing as we move into in-person and hybrid learning. So we'll keep an eye on um, if revenues can stay with the same pace as our expenditures. Um, the other thing that I'd like to give you an update is on the CARES Act Fund. Uh, so this is as of today. We still have about $883,000 worth of Johnson our, uh, Shawnee Mission School District's Federal CARES Act Fund remaining. And then we found out last week, uh, Johnson County reached out to us, and they have obligated $1.2 million of their Johnson County uh, CARES Fund money for Shawnee Mission School District. And so that would require me to file a claim, or the district to file a claim, uh, to reimburse for our expenses. So the things that we've already purchased, uh, nothing that we've uh, committed like encumbrance or down the line, they have to be something that we have already spent. So we will be doing that. Uh, if you recall, Johnson County's deadline is 12-31, December 31, to spend their money. Uh, so we'll file that claim, and we have up to $1.2 million to be reimbursed for. And that concludes my report, if you have any questions. Are there any questions for Mr. Knapp? Uh, I'm, I'm curious if the Johnson County money has the same stipulations as the federal CARES money? Because I, or are they, or should we think of them as the same pots of money? They're just coming from different places? Or yeah, a lot, lot of the same stipulations on what you can claim for expense reimbursement are the same for what we can use ours for and what they can, what I can claim from them. Yes. Well, thank you. Well, we're moving on, moving on to item 3.1, which is our discussion item for the evening on the bond issue, and I'll turn it over to Dr. Fulton for his presentation. Okay, very good. Thank you. Um, first of all, we have some uh, uh, folks joining us tonight. I'm going to have Dr. Atha uh, introduce all of them, including our team members that are here to join in the, uh, join in the discussion. Hopefully we'll have a good discussion this evening regarding the bond referendum and and uh, we have uh, available this evening to answer questions. We have Bob, Bob Robinson, Executive Director of uh, Facilities uh, and followed by Tyler Club, who is uh, Director of Operations. David Smith. Uh, We'll answer some questions in regard to uh, the communications plan as it re relates to uh, a potential bond referendum. Russell Knapp, Chief Financial Officer, uh, will answer any finance questions. I'll try to join in uh, and periodically and try to answer any questions or contribute to the conversation. 
Uh, we also have with us this evening uh, David Arterberry, uh, who's with Stiefel uh, Nicholas Financial. He is our financial advisor. Throughout this process, uh, uh, we have asked him to do an, uh, a great number of scenarios, financial scenarios, uh, regarding the impact on the mill levy uh, and a potential bond referendum as it relates to options A, B, and C. Uh, in addition, Gina Rikoff uh, with Gilmore Bell, she's our bond counsel. And if you noticed in your information, uh, you have um, three bond referendum resolutions pertaining to option A, B, and C for your consideration this evening. And uh, Gina put those together. And uh, both Gina and David are available to answer questions. So with that said, that's the team we have before you to to answer any questions and, and uh, contribute to the conversation. Okay, thank you Dr. Atha for the introductions and the presentation that I have tonight, we've, you've seen these slides now multiple times. So I'm not gonna spend too much time on any one slide. There are a few modifications and an important addition and that addition is, is it should the board choose to go for a bond issue, it's important to communicate uh, what about that bond issue to our community. And so we have some thoughts on that that we wanna share with you tonight. But that might be helpful just for uh, sake of the archives and for our community's benefit to put all of this information in, uh, in one place so that they don't have to go to previous board meetings to see the same information. So I think it's really important to remember that everything we do goes back to our mission, our, uh, our beliefs, our strategies our, and our objectives. And our mission is really clear. We absolutely want to be a bridge of uh, unlimited possibility for our students. This bond issue is designed to help us live out this mission statement and truly do provide the best experiences and opportunities that we can for every one of our students and provide staff with the kinds of supports that they need to be successful with our students in that work. Um, the bond issue is also very much focused on helping us to achieve our three objectives. We know from our recent experience that learning can take place in a lot of different places in many different ways, right? It can take place in a building, it can take place in a workplace, it can occur online. But what links all of that are relationships. And so uh, we, we know the power of students sitting down and doing goal setting, thinking about where they want to take their lives, coming up with a plan and learning how to plan uh, for goals that they've set for themselves. That's why that first objective of really uh, setting up a personalized learning plan is so important. Um, but in the, and in the course of doing that, they're gonna develop a lot of resilience as they, look, as they master the important priority standards that are foundational to their future academic success. And of course, we all recognize the absolute uh, importance of developing interpersonal skills that allow students to positively interact with one another. Uh, employers often identify that as being one of the most important things that students can learn and their educational experiences, how to communicate, how to work effectively with others, in addition to the content understanding that's required for the job. 
So these three objectives are, uh, are foundational to our work and the bond issue can, uh, should and will support achieving those three objectives. Over the course of the past two years, we've been working hard at defining what our future looks like. We've done that through uh, articulating our strategic plan. Everything that we have in the bond issue is consistent with what we've said we should do in our strategic plan, and it certainly fits nicely into this notion that we are going to have uh, a way of really focusing on what's most important, not be reactionary, and think long-term about what where we're going as a district, what our priorities are, and how we're going to achieve those priorities. During the course of the past uh, two years, we've done a lot of study related to what should be in a bond issue. That happened during the strategic planning process during the 18-19 school year. That study continued, and then the, when the plan, after the plan was adopted by the board in June of, of 2019, that study and planning continued during the 1920 uh, school year until finally we're at a point now where we're ready to, uh, to go forward with a bond issue should the board desire to do so. I, we do have specific recommendations. You've seen those. We have specific rec three different options for the board to consider in terms of the bond issue. Very importantly, all three of these options allow us to achieve our goal of reducing secondary teacher workload. And equally importantly, they come with some assumptions. And we have very uh, specific fiscal guardrails that the board needs to consider uh, putting into policy as we uh, think about approving this work. One of those guardrails has to do with our operating fund. Of course, our operating fund pays for salaries and benefits, daily operating expenses, and so on. And we are recommending that we have a minimum uh, fund uh, operating fund balance of one month expenses, which is about 8.3%. Whichever one of those two is greater, we need to make sure that we have that as a minimum. Now, you can go above that and still be responsible. In fact, it's important to think about that, but it's absolutely essential that we stay above that 8.3% minimum or one month expenses. With respect to uh, addressing the issue of secondary workload, as you'll recall, we have a plan by which we can do that. It does involve moving some of the money out of the operating fund that we currently pay for uh, custodial maintenance salaries into the capital fund. And we can't do that unless we pass a bond issue. I've got slides later on that will talk about that. But that's, that will take, in total, we estimate, somewhere in the neighborhood of about uh, $5.8 million. We're, now, on the, all of these numbers, we're trying to be conservative, meaning we're looking what the upper, hopefully what the upper end of that would cost. It may cost a little bit less, but that's, that's a safe number to work with. And as you recall, we've already identified 921,000 of that 1.3 million of additional revenue that's coming into us from the state in order to start to address hiring additional staff to do uh, reduce workload at the secondary level. In order to make this work, though, as we move money, uh, uh, maintenance and custodial salaries from operating into capital, it's important that you not overspend on salaries and capital. 
So the second important recommendation here is that we do a hard cap of 25% on expenditures for uh, salaries out of our capital fund. Going above that could cause some real problems down the road in terms of trying to maintain our facilities. And uh, that, that's not a position that we want to put ourselves in or any future generation of Shawnee Mission uh, leaders. We want to make sure that we're, we're uh, taking care of the present and also the future as we go through this work. With respect to our uh, facilities, you can see here how, uh, while we'll do some uh, quote-unquote deficit spending in terms of our facilities for 2021 and 2122, this is not deficit spending because this money is actually already in the fund, we'll be fine. We can spend 114% of the fund in, uh, this year, 111% next year, but by 22-23, we need to get to a point where we've leveled that off and we're working with our means in terms of uh, where our capital fund set. The timeline, this slide's been updated a little bit from our last meeting, and it just reflects the meeting that you had last, uh, our last board meeting, along with the Finance and Facilities Committee meeting that just occurred. Um, this slide simply uh, illustrates the different kinds of work that's going done, being done, but all of it leads to our opportunity to address secondary teacher workload. And then this graphic, of course, really tells a story in very simple terms. We are currently spending uh, money out of our capital fund for new facilities. For example, in the last uh, bond issue cycle, this building, uh, along with Shawano and O&M, were paid for out of capital funds. When you begin to spend money out of capital for custodial maintenance salaries, you can't do that anymore. So all of the new facilities that we build from this point forward under this plan assumes it will be covered in bond money. That allows us then to shift some additional custodial maintenance salaries into capital, which frees up money in the operating fund to address the issue of secondary workload. This is really the only mechanism we have to address a, uh, a big ticket item like secondary workload and sustain it over the long haul. But it's important that this we get a bond issue to pass now. It's important that future bond issues continue in ways that are laid out in uh, the scenario building that we've done in order to make this work. Uh, we've already talked about the patron insight survey and uh, we got great community feedback uh, in the, during the summer. We learned that our community was supportive of several different scenarios. Uh, one of them, the $22 annual increase per $100,000 home value had a support of about 63% said they strongly favor or, or favor that. Remember there's a margin of error plus or minus 5% on these data. Uh, that data went, uh, rose significantly when uh, there was a significant difference between that amount when, and when people were asked, what if it was an $8 annual increase per 100,000? That went all the way up to 78%. And uh, when we asked about having a no tax rate increase uh, bond issue, that went to 83%. Again, as a reminder, there's no significant difference between the 78% and 83%. There is between the 63% and the 78%. 
And then, of course, we also laid out the scenarios for option A, which was a no tax rate, rate increase bond issue. Option B, $22 per $100,000 uh, property value. And option C, uh, $8 per $100,000 home value. And then there's a link to uh, each of the um, documents that lay out what happens in each one of those three scenarios. All of this, by the way, is in board docs available for public view. And then where does that put us? Well, if you look, uh, if you look 18, 20 years out, even by today's mill levy rates, uh, that puts us in a position where, yes, our mill levy would go up, but it's well below current mill levies of our uh, Johnson County peers. So it's a good value. And then we talked about uh, the recommendations that I was making in terms of considering a, a January bond issue. Uh, as uh, Dr. Sinclair mentioned, this, that really resonated with the Finance and Facilities Committee. And then also kind of gave an analysis there of uh, some considerations such as level of community support, sustainable pathway to get to secondary workload, and so on, and kind of our analysis of where we thought the data uh, sat at the moment. And then for next uh, steps for the Board of Education, uh, reach consensus on scope. That really is, uh, for tonight, you know, we, we had that conversation at the last board meeting. This is really a continuation of that conversation. You've had a chance to think about it a little bit. Um, maybe talk with folks. You've got feedback now from finance and facilities. So uh, without giving you some space here to, to ask any clarified questions before you get to the action item later on in the agenda. Uh, but uh, this whole notion of approving a bond issue resolution, either A, B, or C, put it on the January uh, 26 uh, ballot. And then, um, of course, it's going to be very, very important. It's true with any bond issue. It's critical that people understand what they're voting on. The more information, the better. And I'm going to talk about that right now. We know that life is not normal. You know, there's a lot of times when you get into bond referendum, you have big public meetings, you're able to give lots of information out. Personally, that's going to be more difficult in the current environment. We all recognize that. And so we've come up with some thoughts on how we might communicate this out that we can talk about tonight and, and, and in future meetings if you wish, but I'll give you a starting point. It's important to note that in putting our bond communication plan together, it really has already started in the sense of we had facility forums last fall, fall of 19, where we went out to each of the uh, high schools and showed them what was happening in uh, the bond issue as a whole, but then especially in their attendance area. And we did surveying of our community as well. And we got results from that that helped to inform what our decisions might be. The goal in this uh, bond communication plan is really to emphasize this point, that Shawnee Mission is going to continue to be ranked among the finest school districts in the nation, we employ great educators, exceptional educators who work in state-of-the-art facilities where learners achieve their full potential. That's an important message. That's who we are. That's who we want to be. And this bond issue helps us to achieve that goal. 
The theme would be Shawnee Mission Strong. We've been using that theme this year, and I think it absolutely exemplifies uh, that message of continuing to make Shawnee Mission even better. Great school district, getting, getting even better going forward. The, uh, the bond issue proposal has some important elements to it. We've talked about those. It, first of all, it supports, it directly supports student learning. It provides a sustainable pathway to reduce secondary workload. It represents what has been a very transparent and very thoughtful planning process. We've asked for a lot of community input. The community has helped to shape what this plan looks like. And importantly, it has a fiscal responsibility to it because we're achieving a number of important goals while maintaining a mill levy that remains lower than Johnson County Piers. So these are important ideas to consider as we think about communicating out this plan. We've got a number of different strategies. These are some of them that we can use to communicate the bond issue. And as, as a reminder, uh, we are, what we are allowed to do as a school district is we can communicate facts about the bond. We cannot engage in a directional vote, vote yes or vote no. Our job is to provide information so pe people can make an informed decision. And we can do this in a variety of ways. We can use the Shawnee Mission Inside, Mag Inside Magazine. That's important because that reach that reaches everybody in the district. So that's good. So that's going to be an important piece. Um, we have our weekly Shiny Mission uh, Post article that we do. We can inform people that way. Social media will play a big role in this. Uh, you know, it could be uh, informational signs, yard signs. Again, it, if, it, if it was a district, they couldn't, they couldn't be directional in terms of which way to vote. Um, SMSD Live, Thought Exchange, uh, key communicators, other kinds of strategies that would work. And then um, on the bond communication plan, uh, various audiences include, of course, families, teachers, staff, business leaders, community members, and so on. Uh, certainly, uh, PTAs would be included in that. Any kind of school community group would be part of that, uh, that effort. So that's the very big picture of our bond communication plan, and there will be more detail coming. But I think the, the important thing is, is that we will have to do an awful lot of uh, informing through digital strategies, given the fact that we're heading into winter and we're in the midst of COVID-19. So that will change our approach a little bit. Uh, but, but we can certainly make sure that people have the information they need so they can have an informed decision uh, when they vote on the bond issue, should the board approve it. And with that, I'll turn it over to you. Okay, so like last week, we'll just have a conversation at the table. Um, I don't know if anybody has anything that they want to kick it off with. Miss Embry? Oh, <laughs> it's okay. I literally told you it was going to happen no, after the fine. haircut. It is. Should they now have the same haircut. <laughs> I did it to further confuse you. I know, so, it's so yeah. easy. All right, yeah. Ms. Borkman, please go ahead. Um, thank you, Ms. Owsley. Um, can you remind me, Dr. Fulton, the cost of the bond and then also that the cost will then, correct me if I'm wrong, be rolled into the bond? Is that accurate? 
Okay, so I'm going to have uh, Russ Knapp respond to that. Are you referring to the, the, the three options for bond referendums? Um, just like in terms of mailing. Oh, the, the cost of the election. The cost, um, yes. It's approximately $250,000. If it passes, we can charge it against the, um, the bond um, funds. Okay. So, great. That, thank you very much. So, two hundred fifty thousand charge against funds. Okay, that I, that's come up a few times. The, the cost of the elections. Thank you. I might add too that was something that I know the finance and facilities committee talked about, not in this previous meeting, but in the meeting before that. That's that's that is something you have to really weigh, you know, in terms of when you go out for a bond for sure. Right, because had we done it in November, we would not have had the same. Um, cost. You don't. You don't have. You wouldn't it. have any cost if you went out in November, in January. Anytime you go off cycle, then then you do have a cost associated with it. Uh, I think a lot of the discussion sat around. But could we, could we make sure that voters had an informed choice, or would that messaging get lost in the midst of everything else that was going on in a general election? And we want to make. Absolutely. I think that the theme that we heard is making sure that people really understood uh, what they were voting on. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of noise. I, I also wanted to take a quick second to thank the Facilities and Finance Committee for the great work that you all have done, as well as the many volunteers who have been a part of that. Uh, the feedback has been um, invaluable, I think. Um, I kind of called it the community a community all-star team because there's such fine representatives on that committee. Um, and thank you for putting together such a, a wonderful PowerPoint that the community can go back and really look at and understand and dive into. So thank you, Dr. Fulton. So I, I have a question, and it, maybe it's just a, a referral or a formality, but I know we have the suggestions or the recommendations from the team with regards to the guardrails, both on the cap on capital outlay and on the um, not dipping below on the operational side, the 8.3% or the month long. So. Um, we refer that then to the policy committee, and if you guys are meeting next week, you can put that on your agenda and you can discuss that and then bring that to us for a separate discussion as the board um, after you guys have had a chance to sink your teeth into it. We would absolutely be happy to, to look at it next week. Great. That, okay. Well, so that's all I, that was my only question then. Um, any, Reverend Guy? I really like the communications plan, and I know that is going to be crucial because there are moving parts to this. Um, my only question about it is if if there was any conversation about needing to draw one more line between um, reducing workload for secondary teachers and how exactly is that going to impact student learning? Because what we don't want people to think is, oh, the teachers want a second break, you know, so they can put their feet up. Um, but, but if there's a way to articulate, no, it, during that time, teachers will be doing some, some tutoring, they'll be doing some more long-range planning, you know, things that will directly impact student learning. So I didn't know if there were conversation about adding some more of that kind of information or if we don't want to overwhelm people with the details and maybe get that out more in the community forums or something. I think uh, that's a really good point. You certainly don't want to overwhelm people with the information, but there will be a lot of interest among at least some people with, can you give me a, uh, some more details? How does this actually impact student learning? So I think we need to be prepared to, uh, to respond to that in a big picture way. 
tag on to that, that I think um, a lot of times with a bond proposal, what you're kind of lining up for folks is, here's the buildings, here's the HVAC, here's the things that are gonna happen that are really tangible facilities things, but in this case, one of the big pieces we're prioritizing is that teacher workload reduction. So I think communicating that does get a little bit a little bit trickier and more nuanced, especially when, like we have it written here, I like how it says it's a sustainable pathway to reduce workload for secondary teachers because it isn't a clean line of you pass the bond and five million of that goes to hire the new teachers. It really is so many puzzle pieces fitting together. So I, I think it's an important thing, but I also think it takes uh, it's gonna take some careful messaging because it's not as clean of a you pass the bond and then we hire the new teachers because there's all these other things that have to happen too, right? You know, we've, we've talked about the fact that this is where a video may be more helpful than text <laughs> because it's just like that little uh, slide that we have. Pretty simple, but it does help explain it. I think we're going to need that, those kinds of visual images because you're right, it is not a, it is not a linear path <laughs> in the way that you would normally see it when you're dealing with a a bond issue because we can't do a tax rate increase on the operating side. That's typically what you'd see, but we can't do that. So we have to get there a different way. So I have a follow-up to that. Um, is NEA bound by the same restrictions that the district is with regards to how they communicate on the bond or are they able to communicate a specific position? So the, the district has specific parameters within which we work that would not allow us to be directional and, and mm -hmm. you know, on a yes, no vote. The, uh, but other entities, any, anybody who would be a private entity would not be restricted uh, in that way. So, uh, for example, they would be considered a private entity. But no, just that, that really only applies to, to us as a, as a public body. Mm -hmm. So we can do all the informational uh, pieces that we want, and we should. I think that's respectful to our voters. Uh, as long as we stay within that that framework of, of just making it informational and not directional on how one should vote. Right. It, it just looks like there's definitely two areas of interest there for perhaps private entities like communities and families and the buildings that will be updated will most likely go to bat heavily. I know I, I would if it was my local community school benefiting. Um, and then if this is the pathway to reduce um, secondary workload, which was a high priority for our community just in the very recent future that folks closest to that with an opinion about it, it's good to know that they are not limited by the same restrictions that we are limited. Right, yep, those only apply to us and we'll, we'll be uh, careful to adhere to those, those guidelines. Thank you. Dr. Sinclair? Um, if the would the frequently asked questions, the FAQ format, be something that would lend itself assuming that that was a useful tool throughout the reopening plan? Yes, uh, FAQs can be uh, highly effective. Again, you know, short videos. There's a number of different strategies we can use. I think it depends a little bit on what kind of questions we may be getting from our community. There's a number we can anticipate but I'm sure there will be some that will come up that we didn't think about that we can address through FAQs or other kinds of means. You know, this is not to uh, this is not to say that we can't engage uh, in informational meetings with groups. It's common under a bond issue to reach out to chambers of commerce, for example, and just give them some background information on what's happening. Uh, many would 
welcome that informational piece. And we'll certainly offer that uh, should people want to take advantage of it. But uh, uh, we want to do as many of those as we can. But I do think digital, uh, connecting with people digitally is probably going to be the most common methodology. Ms. Embry? I'm curious if we have any insights from the open house forums we did around this time last year to help us know kind of, I feel like we have the patron insights, which is pretty quantitative. On the more qualitative side, what are we hearing from community members? How did those inform what we're bringing forward? Just sort of how did, how did those, how were those used, I guess? Is the yeah, we, uh, we actually used that uh, in putting together some of the priorities that you see on options A, B, and C. And we have all that data from the forums, and I think we reported some of that out. Um, David, do you want to add to that at all in terms of? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that well, we can we can draw that into our communications. Yeah, I, planning. I, would, I, I think is where I'm going with it. Yeah, a lot of of what we have designed really comes from the forums and from the surveys. Um, and Dr. Sinclair, just to respond to your your question. Uh, one of the, our intentions for using a thought exchange is to gather from the community the things they're thinking about, the questions that they have, and we can use that to really inform the frequently asked questions document that we prepare. Both one, we'll probably do that internally as well as externally. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Stratton, do you have any questions? I can't see you. <laughs> no, thank you. I I appreciate that. Um, two couple of quick things. One is, um, I guess, as uh, one of the two board members that sits on the Finance and Facilities Committee, I've, I've had multiple opportunities along with Dr. Sinclair to, to ask some of these questions, so I won't repeat those. Um, and Dr. Sinclair did a great job of summarizing that meeting. But what I wanted to bring to this group was a couple of the additional items that that committee brought forward around communications, too. And one of them was the, the ways to, to best present the information and the progress on the project through the bonds. So, for instance, a bond dashboard or a bond website that could not only show what it's going to look like when it passes, but then how it moves through the system of buildings being built and dollars being spent. So I thought that was a very helpful idea that we can certainly incorporate. The other one you've already touched on, uh, repeatedly around the room they talked about how important it would be to make sure that the dollar impact, how it addresses the classroom, the teachers, and, and ultimately the students. And so... Those are the other areas that came from that conversation. Apart from that, I don't have other questions. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Clippern. Um, I just, I think I remember from five years ago when we did the bond that, that a part of the website, they actually built a specific page just for that with like a, so I'm assuming that that would be the same type of deal, like with an icon maybe right on the front page that would take them to that page where everything is loaded in there, all the information. Absolutely. Okay. I was just thinking and adding another metric to that um, piece was how the city codes are really pushing for sustainability, you know, designs in alignment with sustainability. And so to the extent that um, the plans and the new buildings are um, meeting code or addressing, you know, certain lead standards, if those pieces can be articulated as well was part of the discussion. I think that would be appreciated from several members of our community. I know the last bond, the district did everything in their effort to meet all of the LEED certifications, but then did not pay for the actual certifications because that was a cost expenditure. It was there someone 
people are nodding their heads at me, but can I get confirmation on that one? And are we attempting to do the same, meeting the certification standards, but not incurring the expense of the certifications this time? Is that? That's the plan at this time. Um, you know, that can always change, but that is the plan. But as we talked in the facility committee, the, the new city codes that they're adopting in 2018 incorporates a lot of the lead standards into what you must do to meet city requirements. So there's a lot of that there there already, too. What is it? Oop. Sorry, what is the expense with the lead certification for certification well, for building? Well, that that's one we've been trying to get our hands around for the last year, and it, it varies to who you talk to from anywhere from $20,000 to $200,000. So it's somewhere in the middle of there the, what, the, what the cost actually is for that. And a lot of it is just the documentation that goes to putting that together. Thank you. Did you have something, Dr. Sinclair? Did I see you out of the corner of my eye? No? Okay. Is there anyone else with the final comment or question? I was just going to say if we have any uh, public-private partnerships that want to help us get LEED certified, I think that'd be fantastic. Uh -huh. I, I concur on that. Uh -huh. um, and I know at the last meeting we had a, like a general consensus towards Plan C, and it sounds like the Finance Facilities Committee also reached a general consensus um, on C, so when we get to vote on that this evening, I think I will lead with C unless someone has an objection to that at this time right now um, to have any reason to go with the other two. Okay, it looks like we will be voting on C when we get to that this evening. Um, and with that, I think our bond issue discussion is concluded unless there's any final comments from anybody. All right, seeing none, we will move on to the consent items. Item. 4.1. I will seek a motion for approval of the consent agenda. Move approval, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? Second, Guy. Thank you, Reverend Guy. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, that passes unanimously. So, item 5.1, our resolution on our bond issue is up next. I will uh, seek a motion for approval of option C. Move approval. Second, Borgman. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Thank you, Ms. Borgman. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, that passes unanimously. Are we hearing Mr. Stratton on? Yeah, I can hear him. Okay, I don't good. know if you can or not, but he is close enough that I can okay, hear Okay, good. Him. I just wanted to make sure he wasn't muted or something. Okay. Yeah, we haven't lost him as far as I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's looking out for you, Mr. Stratton. All right, so now we will move on to 5.2. It's the first read of the revised board policy DFE, and I'll seek a, oh, I'm not seeking anything. I'm just turning it over to Ms. Goodburn for an overview of the first reading. Right, so DFE is investment revenue, first reading tonight. Um, basically, we didn't have the KASB model policy language. Uh, this new one will, will reflect statutory requirements and has been reviewed by staff. That's basically what I have to say about DFE. Um, if you have any questions for the policy committee, you should sure ask them. If not, you can follow up with Dr. Fulton okay. in the time between this, this meeting and the next meeting when we will actually have that in front of us to vote on. Okay. Are there any questions on this item? Was the current language out of sync with statute? 
I, I believe that it was, there were some updates that, that, that were made, so potentially yes, out of sync or just adding. Not detailed enough or something? Right. Okay. Yeah, well, you can see, I think our policy was fairly small, mm -hmm. and then, yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, moving on to 5.3, also first reading for revised board policy JQKA, and I'll turn it back over to you, Ms. Goodburn. Again, um, KSB updated its model, model policy, and so we have taken some of their language, but not taken some of it just because of certain requirements and certain things with uh, surrounding um, exchange students. So if anybody has any questions about that, again, you can ask us tonight, or you can refer those to Dr. Fulton. Are there any voting on it next month? Are there any questions? All right, seeing and hearing none, moving on to 5.4, approval of the secondary pair of professional MacBooks. Um, I'll seek a motion in a second, and then I'll let Dr. Fulton speak to that just briefly if he would like. So moved, Hembry. Thank you, Ms. Hembry. Is there a second? Second, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Um, Dr. Fulton, do you have any comments on this? You know, I have Dr. Aitha comment because he's been doing uh, most of the legwork on this. Okay. Run the uh, secondary paraprofessional MacBooks. Uh, I'm going to yield to Drew um, uh, Lane, and uh, thanks for working on this. And so, and I know Drew can come forward. Uh, Why don't you just come up to the table? That might be easier. Also, like to share your like to come up as well. She's been working on it. The three of them and put this together. And basically what we're doing here is trying to give more support to our paraprofessionals in the form of MacBooks. Uh, as, and we, as you know, we bought uh, the district purchased iPads for them, but we're learning that the MacBook is going to serve them better as they support our children. Drew? So actually I would probably ask Sherry or Dr. Hubbard to speak to the actual use, what we're talking about here. I can tell you about quantities and of course we got those types of things, but they really came to us and said, hey, we, we have recognized or identified a need here. Can you help us procure these? And so if you would like to pitch in with that. I'll just start real quickly that um, I know that Sherry Dumoulin has done an amazing job with our special education, both teachers and paras at the secondary level um, in in advocating for this request. Um, I think the biggest issue is what a kid sees on a MacBook is different than what you would see on an iPad version. It's almost like I compare it to um, a, a mobile um, banking app where what you see on your mobile device looks very different than what you might see on a MacBook or, or a PC at home. And so our paras were having a difficult time supporting our kids because they weren't seeing the same thing. And so when kids would ask questions, they would see something differently. So it's hard to walk kids through when you're not seeing the same thing as, as the student. Additionally, when we're in remote, it's very difficult because um, they're using one... Teachers have two machines. They have a MacBook and then they have the iPad. So in many cases, we even myself in, in conference calls or WebEx Teams calls, I'll use one machine to see the agenda or to see Canvas or to see whatever it is I need to see and use the other machine as my uh, video conferencing on the platform. So um, Paris now have, would have the ability to do that with both devices. So we would be leaving the iPad in their hand as well 
and we they would have the MacBooks so they would be able to support students and support teachers in that learning process. Sherry, anything you want to add? The only thing that I would add to that is that um, obviously it allows for the compatibility aspect that Dr. Hubbard described, but in addition to that, it also um, <clears throat> it allows for our students to see our peers in a different lens, right, in a different perspective, in a more equitable fashion um, to the roles that they provide um, within our organization. So I do think from, from that aspect, um, that also um, would be very helpful. The other piece that I'd like to also, oh, I'm sorry. Um, the other piece that I'd like to also indicate is that this also is applicable to ELL aids as well. Um, so not just our, um, well, the majority of it will be paraeducators, but our ELL aids as well would also be receiving these devices. There would be a few exceptions, and that would be with um, programs that um, don't use MacBooks because we have a handful of special education programs at the secondary level that only use iPads because of the needs of the students. And so in those particular cases, we would not be, th those particular pairs would not have the MacBooks because there wouldn't be a need in regards to um, the learning device. Does anyone have any questions on this topic? Uh, Ms. Skipper? I have a quick question just because it says this will be a federal CARES Act CARES fund expense. Well, we just heard from Mr. Knapp earlier that we're receiving some Johnson County money that maybe needs to be spent by the end of the year. Will we potentially put that over into that fund? Can we? Yeah, we can, but it's reimbursement. So we have to spend the money. We have to actually cut a check, and then I send that receipt or invoice into the county. Okay. So well, timing-wise, I can do it. Then, yeah, I'll include it. Okay. Okay. Dr. Sinclair? Um, in addition to that, um, I, I applaud the instructional um, uh, addition or providing this additional instructional tool to our um, educating staff, educators. I, so the need is very clear. Um, and so if we're able to use the CARES Act dollars for the initial expenditure then for the refresh, would that then just be added to the um, kind of the paste um, refresh That's a great question. The cycle. answer, yeah, the, the, the short answer is yes. Uh, there are some logistical things that we're going to work out as we get closer to that refresh cycle, where these actually fit in, those types of things. But the, the short answer to that is yes. We would then roll these into one of our regular cyclical refreshes. Okay, so that would be into the capital outlay dollars? That's correct, yes. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I might add, you know, when you think back to where we were last year at this time, there are a number of paraprofessionals who are asking for a device. And of course, once you're into a fiscal year, it's difficult to do that because that's a big expense. But uh, a team worked on it, led by Dr. Atha, and all the folks that you see here were part of that process. And uh, we were able uh, this year to get everybody iPads, and the fact that now we're able to add uh, to that MacBooks as well in order to meet the educational needs of all of our learners is really a powerful testament to the commitment that we're making to make sure that our students and our staff have the tools they need to effectively work with every single child. It also speaks to the importance 
of using capital funds wisely because all of this eventually gets sustained through that capital fund, which is why those guardrails are so important. But this is a great example of good planning, right prioritization, and now we have to think about making sure that we can sustain that commitment for the long haul. I also think, just to add one more thing here, I, I think it adds to the importance of our paraprofessionals and, and how important they are in, in working with our children. And um, as well as our teachers have a Mac Air and an iPad. Now our, our paraprofessionals will have a Mac Air and an iPad, most of them. So uh, I think it demonstrates that we value them just like we value our teachers. They're essential employees. And that's even more coming to light during COVID-19. I just want to reiterate that this is for 712 Paras because of the, the student MacBooks and, and the need for Paras to have the MacBook at the 712 level. Thank you for that clarification, Dr. Hubbard. Okay, well, I think we've got enough to make a vote. Um, I will call. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, it passes unanimously. Thank you, everyone, for the presentation. Moving on to item 5.5, election of a delegate to the KSB delegate assemblies. Um, we need to select a delegate and vote on who that will be. And I am trying to think right now off the top of my head who was our delegate this last go-round. Was that Reverend Guy? Was that it, Reverend Guy? Yeah. it was Deb Zila last Deb year. Deb Zila last time. Because the voting used to happen on Sunday mornings, which is a little inconvenient. <laughs> That's your busy day. So we can either write names down or if anyone would like to volunteer and if we have multiple volunteers then we can write names down and vote. Um, I wish Deb was here to give us a brief overview of what being a delegate entailed. Would either, would you be able to do that Reverend Guy? My understanding is um, the delegate assembly is going to be on Thursday, December 3rd from like 1130 to 1230. Um, so a lunch hour approximately um, and they assume that all the business will be conducted um, and there were a few things, uh, I spoke about them previously, but there's a few changes to the Constitution and bylaws and things they need to do. Um, nothing major, in my opinion. Um, and then the second delegate assembly will happen January 21st, which I think will be for the legislative agenda. And they wanted to separate those out because that will be around the advocacy and action time. Um, so there's two separate times, but I think both of them are going to be midday, hour long, virtually online. So it's not the big time commitment that it was, and it's not Sunday mornings anymore. So, uh, so that's all I know. Okay. Well, at this time, would anyone like to volunteer for this position, and then we can vote to confirm you? Um, I, I don't know if there's anyone who has a burning desire in their heart. I don't have a burning desire, but I'm happy to serve since I do have some familiarity with what will be voted on, but I know Dr. Sinclair... Will the Sunday well. schedule prove to be problematic for you? Well, it's not Sunday this it's year. It's not Sunday so, this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's why Deb had to fill in uh, last year, or offered to, to fill in and go as our delegate. But um, but this okay. year it's on a Thursday at 1130. Okay. So. Can there be two delegates or does it need to be... 
I think just one from each school district. Um, and, and I don't know that it has to be the same person, both for December 3rd and January 21st. Terry, do you know? I know there can also be an alternate. So okay. that would be fine if, if you want to vote on one and an okay. alternate. I mean, I'm happy to do the second, the second one because I'll be on that call anyways. Okay. Well, then but I don't know about the. Then I'm fine having you be our delegate for both. Like, like I said, I don't have a burning desire necessarily. I just have some familiarity, but you do as well with what's being voted on. Well, I think we could split. You do one, I do the other. But I can do both too. I'm, or I'm happy to. So I nominate Dr. Sinclair to be our delegate. <laughs> <laughs> did you just throw Dr. Sinclair under the bus, uh, Reverend Guy? I think I did. <laughs> I just I'm got just my kidding. lunch hour back on, on December 3rd. <laughs> just kidding. I'll second her nomination. Thank you, Ms. Goodbird. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Okay. <laughs> that passes unanimously. Moving on to item 5.6, approval of proposed agency contract to backfill RN positions for contract tracing needs. I know this was discussed a little bit at our last meeting, but we'll seek a motion in a second, and then Dr. Fulton can remind us of the details on that. Move approval, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Second, Hembry. Thank you, Ms. Hembry. Um, and Dr. Fulton, do you want to just update us on this one really quick? I'll be happy to. And if you have any questions, Dr. Schumacher and uh, Ms. Rubeck, Rubeck will be available to help uh, answer those questions. But essentially, we're going to contract out with an, with an outside agency to provide us with five nurses who will uh, replace the five full-time nurses that we have that are going to be committed to contact tracing. And as you know, that's a really important part of meeting the county's expectations to do uh, in-person learning. And so that's, that's going to be important to uh, both internal uh, uh, public health issues related to school district, but also to community public health issues. I'll be happy to respond to any questions. Uh, are there any questions on this item? Reverend Guy? Um, will this be a one-year contract with these nurses? Okay. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's kind of an ongoing contract. Dr. Ath, I don't know if you want to speak to the uh, contract language or not, but it is a one-year. It, it actually is less than that, but go ahead, Dr. Ath. Yeah, hopefully we will. Right now it's a one-year contract, and it will be paid out of, um, the, out of the CARES fund as well. Um, and uh, Shelby... And um, Dr. Schumacher, Schumacher are here. They could answer more specific questions. I actually have a question. Um, I know our school nurses in the building really know the needs of the kids that are in their building, um, their health conditions, their special education needs, all of that. So for parents who have an affinity for their local school nurse because they know their kid's med schedule, they know their kid's like feeding, tube feeding schedule, all of that, when I think of the fact that we're pulling the nurses that are closest to the kids out to do the contract tracing and putting the contract nurses in the buildings, uh, can you speak to me a little bit as to why that's the best use of our folks who know the kids with the highest medical needs? Um, I'm not, I'm, I, I just want to know for myself because <laughs> my instinct is to say, oh, wait. <laughs> sure, and make no mistake that the building nurses are having a really hard time leaving their school, their kids, their parents. Um, I think for me it makes most sense to have the people who had started with us back in August doing our contact tracing. This is very complex work. 
Um, it takes people who have relationships with the parents, with the students, with the staff. Um, as you know, there's some pushback out there for when you have to isolate or quarantine. And so to me, I've seen the benefit of having our five nurses who are familiar with their populations um, doing that contact tracing for us. It's a give and take either way um, to have to pull our nurses out of their buildings, but I, I believe and I think the five of them would also tell you as hard as this is, this is the right decision. Well, I appreciate them being willing to do that. Um, I know I would have felt very selfish about it had our school nurse been pulled away. So I, um, I, I understand and appreciate the sacrifice that they're making, and I'm certain that you will find good nurses to replace them in the buildings. But if we can maybe direct them back to their home buildings when, God willing, the need for this is no longer there, I think that would be great. And that's the commitment we did make to those employees, that they do have a place back at their home building once we're ready to, to move in that direction. So I agree completely. Excellent. Yep. Are there any other questions? I think, do I see your hand, Dr. Sinclair? That was it. Okay, great. Uh, oh, Ms. Henry. I had, this is, sorry, I, this is kind of going back to your superintendent report about the COVID dashboard, but this sparked the question for me. Are we collecting that kind of information on all students who are both in-person and remote. So if we someone see someone show up on there as a community contact for COVID, it could be a student who is remote. All, all of those students, are we collecting information in both groups? Yes, and I'll have, uh, yes. Shelby, do you want to respond to that? Yeah, so anyone who notifies us, if they are a student or an employee, then we do the contact tracing. If they're affiliated with Shawnee Mission School District in that manner, then we do the contact tracing. Um, if it is someone who, um, say they have a big family, we only do the contact tracing for the person affiliated with our district, not for the entire family. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So, okay. So, but the dashboard data that we see that was when it comes out tomorrow will be for students, whether they chose in-person or remote. It'll be for teachers who are teaching in-person or remote. It'll be... It is for anyone who has notified us. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, that passes unanimously. Moving on to item 5.7, approval of the architectural engineering services for future capital bond and construction projects. Um, I'll seek a motion in a second and then give it over to Dr. Fulton. Is there a motion for approval? Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? Borkman, second. Thank you, Ms. Borkman. Um, Dr. Fulton. Okay, thank you. Um, and we'll provide some general comments, and these will apply to both 5.07 and 5.08. Dr. Atha oversaw a team that went through a very thorough process of uh, selecting and, and recommending both architectural firms and construction management firms. And I'm going to turn it over to him and have him take it from there and review for you specifically what that process looked like for both groups. And then he may want to add some additional specific information about the architectural and engineering services. Thank you, Dr. Fulton. Uh, we put out a request for uh, qualifications for architects, as well as for uh, construction management agency. We had 10 responses, 10 vendors that responded, uh, 10 architectural firms. Uh, on the construction management agency, we had seven firms respond. Uh, we interviewed 
all 10 architectural firms, as well as all seven construction management agency firms. Uh, the interview team was composed of myself, Dr. Hubbard, um, Mr. Robinson, and Mr. Club. So there was four of us on that interview team. Basically, the, each, each vendor or each firm got the same questions. They were able to also give a five, 10 minute presentation uh, about their firms. Uh, I, and I want you to know, we had outstanding architectural firms that made application as well as outstanding construction management agency firms. It was a very difficult decision but we arrived at the two recommendations that are, for, that are before you this evening. Um, Mr. Robinson, do you have any comments to make? I know, I just want to agree that uh, all the firms we interviewed were, were good firms. We picked uh, five architects and three CMs agencies, so we, we think we got the best of the best. Dr. Hubbard, do you have anything to add? Tyler, Mr. Club. Um, again, this is our recommendation that's before you this evening for your consideration in reference to both 5.07 and 5.08. Are there any questions? Um, Ms. Borgman? Uh, Dr. Atha, you mentioned it was a difficult decision, so how did you arrive at the um, groups that you ultimately selected? We had, uh, we had a rubric that we kind of went by um, where we were judging them against um, um, various criteria um, to, to look at. And some of the firms we'd worked with before, some of the firms we have not worked with, and you can see that's uh, reflected in our recommendation. So we've got a blend of companies that we have been successful, that's been successful with us. And we've got some new companies that we are recommending at the same time. So, but we used the same criteria. We laid that down with uh, in looking at them. And I don't know if Bob wants to share any more with, about that or not. Uh, no, we spent, uh, I think it was three days interviewing these, these companies. And as I said before, they were, they were all good companies. It was hard to narrow down to our final choices, but I, I think we've got some real good candidates that will do great work for us. I would, I would add that we did a follow-up questionnaire after the interviews asking about um, financials. So they submitted a second piece to that interview process, as well as re some reference checking in cases where we felt like we needed just a little more information. And that's really the last comparison we made was the financials because we were really looking at beyond the financials to get the very best firms and not take into consideration the costs right off of the get-go. I do want to emphasize this as well. Uh, if approved this evening, both the architects, the architects, as well as the construction management agency firms will start to work immediately at no cost to the district. There will be a solid effort to, they will be supportive and putting together, helping us with the information regarding the bond. They will also start on the design phase of, of uh, at two elementaries 
that we hope will that we can get started by June of of next year so that we can be responsible with the taxpayers dollars on the bond and get the very best prices so they will work at no cost until the bond is passed January 26th go ahead Ms. Embry I'm, I'm curious to know um, how when you say that it'll start immediately, how they'll incorporate voices from these schools. So will they be working directly with like the PTAs at these two schools or administrators or how will the actual design phase go? We will have a piece of this where we seek community engagement and what these new elementaries look like. I'm not sure exactly what that's gonna look like at this point, but we will make sure that's a piece of it. Do you have something else to add? I would add, Ms. Hembree, as, as early as tomorrow morning on our ELT agenda, I have a, a proposed thought exchange question for both parents and staff in the seven most recent elementary rebuilds that says, as we look to um, prepare for this bond in future elementary schools, what's worked really well in the facility where you are? So thought exchange for sure. That was a question in the interview process um, in both for architects and for the CMAs and how do you engage in the process and some of them have very helpful processes that we will be engaging in but definitely committees in those schools. We haven't necessarily talked about that structure yet. Who is that committee? But we definitely want that voice to be um, part of the process. I love hearing that. My, my kids go to one of the rebuild, re most recently rebuilt schools and there's definitely some things we love and some things like. Well, and it's and interesting because um, and, and we talked about this, but, you know, Briarwood, then Trailwood, then Brookwood. And if you talk to, as we progressed, we asked that question and we made the next one a little bit better. And then um, Brookwood, it's hard, you're pretty hard pressed to find something at Brookwood that they don't like because we fixed it. And so, hence asking the question of those seven, we have different architects involved, um, asking that question what can we do better? And maybe not even that it was bad, but you know, how, how do we make it great in state-of-the-art facilities? Uh, Ms. Borgman. With regards to transparency, um, was there a big cost discrepancy between the different firms? Was everyone kind of in the same ballpark financially? I understand cost is one factor of many, but um, you know, we do have this financial responsibility. So just kind of wondering, just for transparency' sake, what that looked like amongst the different firms. You know, I think they were all in the same ballpark or relatively close in in their cost structures. Um, but there was some differentiation, but nothing. I don't think that alarmed us, did they, Tyler? Bob, you looked at them as well. No, they were all fairly fairly close to to their their fees. So. Uh, we weighed that as part of our decision making, but overall it was which was the best company and would do the best work for us. Pricing weighed in there, uh, but th they were within a half of a percent to a percent of each other when we looked at that. And, and, and it'll vary a little bit with each company. That's very helpful. Thank you, Bob. I'm not seeing... Any other further questions at this time? Mr. Stratton, did you have any final questions? No questions. Okay. Um, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, that passes unanimously. Moving on to item 
5.8, uh, approval of the construction management agency services for future capital and bond projects. So these are really kind of going together. Um, go ahead and seek a motion in a second. If there's any additional information Dr. Atha has to give us, he can at that time. Is there a motion to approve? Move approval, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. A second? Second, Hembry. Thank you, Ms. Hembry. Um, is there anything further to add on this portion of the discussion that you didn't cover in the last section, Dr. Atha? I don't believe so. Okay. Are there any questions relating to this directly that we didn't get covered under the last section? Okay, seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, it passes unanimously, and we move on to our final item this evening. Well, prior to comments, um, approval of the parents' as teachers agreement. I seek a motion. Move approval. Sinclair. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Is there a second? Borkman, second. Thank you, Ms. Borkman. Um, do you want to just give us a, a real brief recap on this one? or be happy to. In fact, Dr. Schumacher will do it for us. Perfect. Yeah, so uh, I want to thank Michelle Morris, Ms. Michelle Morris, and Dr. Leanne Neal for leading up this team and working with our incredible parents as teachers. They're a great group to work with, um, and we're really happy that uh, we're able to finalize this uh, contract with them. Um, they got the same raise as all of our staff members um, across the district. I do think it honors the great work that they do. Uh, this team is going to continue with discussions around perhaps adding additional columns um, to their salary schedule, but that's going to be a conversation that will occur throughout the, the, this coming year, and then that will be a part of negotiations for next year. But uh, a wonderful group, and we're glad that we were able to settle with them. Thank you. Do any board members have any questions at this time? Okay, seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, hearing none, that passes unanimously, and that moves us down to comments from board members this evening. Um, and we can start on the left-hand side of the table with Ms. Embry. Uh, I just wanted to briefly thank Brad and Mary for putting together the Finance and Facilities Committee and bringing that input to us. It was really helpful to me to have a second, know that it had gone through not just the sort of community process, but that that Facilities and Finance Committee had reviewed the options in front of the board for a bond proposal and had also added their great thinking to the work of this board. So thank you guys for doing that and thank you for bringing the input back to this board. It's really helpful. Thank you. Ms. Goodburn? Uh, just say vote. Vote, vote, vote. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, we did. We did, vote, did vote, all vote. the voting. No, next week. <laughs> next Tuesday. Vote. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Um, Dr. Sinclair? Uh, I'll just do a thank you back to the policy committee members, the three of you, for the work you've done, and Dr. Fulton and our in-house counsel. Appreciate that. It's a lot of work, ongoing work. Thank you. Mr. Stratton? Just a quick comment about uh, how important the community involvement and engagement is going to be not only up to the bond, but all the way through the completion of the last project. I, I could hear most of the conversation that was had just a bit ago, and it was really important that... Um, as these design programs are put together and ultimately the architecture around the buildings, yeah, keeping as many folks formally engaged as possible would be great. I think we're going to have to be pretty creative as we continue to move through this pandemic, but I think some of the structures that we have in place will be great ways to get that feedback, get that input, so we continue to have the best product forward for Shawnee Mission. Uh, one of the points I'll raise one more time as it came out of our finance and facilities committee meeting was continue to find ways to engage the teachers at every turn, including the final buildings of the projects. We have one member of our committee that is a teacher in one of the buildings, and he was good to reiterate how important that's going to be because in that final product, they're the ones that are there day in, day out. 
doing the very best they can to educate our kids. So I want to reiterate that on his behalf, too. Thanks. Thank you. Reverend Guy? Uh, I spoke, I don't remember if it was the last meeting or the one before, um, about concerns about um, possible future evictions that if people are impacted by COVID and unable to pay rent or mortgage. Um, I did see today that there is some county rent assistance and utility assistance available. And so I just want to encourage people, if, if you're in that situation and you have concerns about paying your rent or mortgage or utility payments, um, please reach out for assistance. We want to keep our students and their families in their homes and give them that stability so there are uh, places to receive assistance if you need it and just encourage people to look for that. That's all. Thank you. Ms. Borgman? Yeah, just a couple shout-outs. Um, I wanted to just congratulate Ms. Susan Speck from Northwest for being the Horizons nominee for the district. I know she's beloved at Northwest and uh, was so excited to see her um, as our nominee. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to KUGR, which is a... Um, which is a, a video production team crew at Shawnee Mission Northwest. And they have, they broadcast all of the varsity soccer and football games. Um, it's completely student run and student led uh, due to COVID. These kids are normally inside in the press box, like, you know, regular broadcasters doing play by play and color um, analysts, but <clears throat> they're now outside the press box. And it was so cold at Friday's football game. And man, it was a heck of a game. And they continually do such a great job of broadcasting all the games for uh, Northwest. And I just think that they're just a real feather in our cap at Northwest. So great job to KUGR. Um, and I just want to really give a shout out to the resiliency of Shawnee Mission. Um, the students, the teachers, administrators, staff, thank you. And my kids are back in school two days a week. And so that's a major mom win for me as well. So um, thank you, teachers and administrators, for all you're doing for our kids. Thank you. Um, so I have two sections in my comments this evening. The first is our meeting next month. We do not have two meetings in November. So the board workshop structure is slightly altered for next month. We will have a, a mini workshop inside the meeting where we will be covering um, a couple of different topics. One will be an update on diversity and inclusion initiatives and efforts as Dr. Fulton touched on earlier at the beginning of the meeting. And that will also include a discussion um, regarding mascots. And so we're letting folks know that, that that has been something that has been raised repeatedly. And we have been letting the community know that that is something that we're going to be discussing. And so we've got that on the agenda for next meeting, um, as well as an update on academics and uh, college and career readiness. Um, so I think that just to let everybody know, we're still going to have conversations next month, even though we're only doing one meeting. And then um, my final comment is, uh, as, as a parent, um, I have spoken with some folks who, you know, their kids are not returning back into the buildings. And there is like this, <laughs> there is so much happiness for those people who have the opportunity to have their kids in. And then there is also this, this feeling of just, um, sadness that we are not all able to be together. And so I want to talk to those families who are at home right now, who, who aren't in the building, and, and just remind them that they are an integral part of our community. We love them very much. We love their kids very much. I'm so thankful for the educators who are providing the online education for them and that they are absolutely still 
just as integral to who we are as a district and in our individual buildings and making up the culture and community. Um, this is not something that will last indefinitely. We will reach a point where we will all be back together in the buildings and I very much look forward to that. Um, but for any students who were home today, you know, really wishing that they could be with their friends and their home for their family's health or for their own health, we just want them to know that we love them. They're still ours. They don't get to escape us. <laughs> this is just temporary. And as soon as we can get them back in, we, we want them back in. Um, so on that note, our next meeting is on November 16th. We will see everyone then. And we do not have any executive session after this meeting, if I'm recalling correctly. All right, that is the end of business. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.